gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? The name of the episode is Fauci. All right. How's that sound? It sounds great. Sounds bodacious is how it sounds. <laughs> you like to take some of our pre-show content and put it into the podcast, oh. which is okay at times. <laughs> you know, I, I'll, I'll just leave it at that. It's okay at times. I'm very I'm, careful. Oh, I'm very careful because, you know, there are some times when names are mentioned, so I take them out. <laughs> well, when I, when I was uh, getting on the podcast first, you texted me back, okay, finishing up some food. Yes. What would that food be for Tom Looney during Corona, May 19th, as we oh. record, 2020, where you usually treat your body like a temple? Yeah, I still eat like Miss America. I had one <laughs> chicken breast. I'm sorry, one chicken thigh baked in the oven and a half of sweet potato, which I haven't eaten yet. So I had my protein meal already. And as you know, there's a long tradition of me eating while we're on the air. <laughs> Which always drove you crazy and took you about five years to tell me. And, uh, and I, I have it with me here, but you won't hear me chomping over here. Don't worry. I'll Can you slap me through the podcast? Because I had a tortilla wrap with turkey okay, great. and uh, wrapped around a tortilla. And if I could just get rid of tortillas. I would be on a totally different plane in life. Oh why is a guy God. from Why is a guy from Massapequa, Long Island, who never ate Mexican food my whole life? What is my fascination with the tortilla oh. around the house or outside the house? I don't well, get because it. you also are half Italian, and <laughs> Italians love bread, and tortilla is bread. <laughs> so that's your Italian side craving bread. But what's Perfectly crazy is natural. I don't I don't eat, eat a lot of bread. Other than tortillas. Yeah, I'm not, wow. not a guy walking by my house making bread and butter. I got rid of bagels years ago. That helped. Oh, that but, does um, help. Bagels are poison. <laughs> that does help. You end up looking like a bagel if you eat too many bagels. Well, I'm ready to go. You ready to go? Yeah, I'm, I'm ready to go. And one thing, we talked earlier about uh, what we would cover today on the JT and Looney podcast. Episode 35. Uh and I do want to cover, I'm not going to use the term the new normal, but there are a lot of different ways the pandemic will change our life, maybe permanently, and I will talk about it. We, we don't have uh, any old commercials from WPIX of Annie singing, tomorrow, tomorrow. <laughs> if we did, it would be great. We could call it the tomorrow segment, but I'll go through some of the things that probably are going to permanently change in our life. And not necessarily good, not necessarily bad, but it's going to happen. Well, speaking of the good news, the good news is I came up with the title of this podcast, correct? Yes, you did. Okay, because I thought I wanted to do this. The bad news is I want you to do a lot of the heavy lifting because okay. I'm in a really good mood. We've had a lot of good momentum in sports with what's happening here over the last week with governors changing their position and all on all of this. And maybe we're going to get sports back. So I'm in a relatively good mood. Okay, but I want you to do a lot of the heavy lifting because this gentleman, I'm going to get heated as I defend him, and I'm going to probably take the brunt of the heat of this podcast instead of you. So does that make sense as we begin? Well, it might make sense. Uh, when you say uh, naming the podcast, today's podcast, you're not talking about the JT Looney podcast. You're talking about the name of this episode, which would be Fauci. The name of the episode is Fauci. Okay. Because I wanted to pay respects to Dr. Anthony Fauci. That's all I wanted to do. Because mm -hmm. for the last six, seven weeks plus, we've all been pushed, not to the extremes, but some very close to the extremes. Those who are close to dying, those who have passed away. People are affected. Families are affected yeah. and all over the world. And the one name that kept popping up more than any, any name, more than any athlete, more than any politician was Fauci. And I started doing some homework on Fauci, didn't dive in that deep, but he was in my news cycle every day that I wanted to make sure that we went on the record and had an opinion about him and we could talk about him and just have a conversation because I personally feel that this man needs to be defended, not for all of his public statements, nor his mistakes, which he's probably made many in his life, but I just want to protect this guy from some of the people who have been raining down hate, spewing false lies about him, 
and making his job so difficult. Tom, you and I have been lucky. We have multiple jobs. I don't know how, I don't have anybody making my life difficult every day and my job difficult. And I just felt I needed to stand up to this guy or stand well, up for this guy. I found it so odd because who do we need more than anybody else in our life? Usually those objective scientists named doctors. And so, I mean, when we go to the doctor, we want to listen to what they have to say. They're not political figures. He has somehow become one. He wasn't a political figure all this time. He was good enough for Reagan and good enough for Bush and good enough for Clinton and good enough for the other Bush and good enough for Obama and good enough for Trump. And all of a sudden, he's got a label when he never had one before. And because he wants us to stay inside and cover our mouths and stay healthy and you know, my, I'm, I'm the brother of an engineer. My brother, much less emotional than I am. My brother looks at every, my brother won't argue about anything if there's no point that can finally be made. As you know, I will just argue about anything. <laughs> Not any point can finally be made. And that's the difference between an engineer and a doctor and just, uh, you know, a, a bright brain blabbermouth on the radio uh, like you or I. And Dr. Anthony Fauci, when you take a look at his carefully, when, he, when he's asked a question, how careful he is, never any conjecture, never any absolutes, and so much of being a doctor and a scientist is sometimes educated guessing. And so you can go back at times and find when they were wrong, but that's not what we need right now. We need to find out where they're right. And we listened closely, and he went to Cornell and College of the Holy Cross, the legendary Holy Cross. JT. And so uh, I just, there's, he's got such an impeccable reputation up until now when people with agendas decide to demonize him. I think it's terrible. A couple of numbers I want to give out here in regards to Dr. Fauci. First is 1940. That was the year he was born in New York City. The second number is 1984. That's when he started working for all of these presidents. Uh, he has a wife, he has three kids, he has grandkids. And as you just mentioned, he's worked for most of his adult life for all of these presidents because he's the leading scientist or voice when it comes to this type of disease with the National Institute of Health and what he's done in the past. And I thought it was important to bring up his background just quickly because these are the twilight years of his life. He's 79 years old, supposed to be the best because of his crowning achievements in his field as a scientist and all the accolades. And nine months ago or a year ago, he didn't say, man, I wish a pandemic would come around the corner so I can go on television every night, be in the Oval Office every day, put my life on the line to try to help others and get all this ridicule. So I just want to dip the podcast in reality and just think of this 79-year-old man who's trying to give you everything he's got. Jordan, in the last dance, gave you every blood, sweat, and tear that he has. All the great boxers that we've talked about. Everybody who's given everything in life, including the people now who are fighting to keep one job or they're trying to get off unemployment. This guy's given everything he can his entire life to his education, to the welfare of others, to science, and no one gets ridiculed and sent more hate tweets right now other than politicians and Dr. Anthony Fauci. Uh, you know, who's been given the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Wow. The Presidential Medal of Freedom, given to him by President Bush. So, you know, he's got a pretty, as scientists need, scientists can't be really liberal or conservative. They can be when they go home and they flow on Fox News or CNN or MSNBC or whatever. But when they go into the work, the math has to add up. When you look in the microscope, it's yes, it works. No, it doesn't. How do we get it to work? And, you know, science isn't liberal or conservative. The math has to add up. And that's why President Reagan, President Bush, President Clinton, President George W. Bush, who gave him the Presidential Medal of Freedom, and President Obama trusted him so much. And so you got to trust a guy that, especially that is trusted by both Republicans and Democrats, liberals and conservatives, so thoroughly so far. So I think who you don't need, who you got to be skeptical of, 
is anybody throwing rocks at Fauci? As we podcast, as we open up the podcast for a couple of, you know, for close to two months now, we've been having the numbers. So as we open this podcast, 1.5 million total cases in the United States, and the death toll is at 90,340. So if you go back, and you don't have to go back far, you're on our podcast page at jtandlooney.com, just click on the beginning of the last three or four podcasts. We're doing this for a reason. So you can hear that number and that number will stay with us for history in these podcasts. So 20 years from now, if we're lucky to be here, 10 years, whenever it is, people can remember how quickly those numbers moved up Mm. as so many people got it wrong. Dr. Fauci wasn't accurate at times with his projection. That's why he's getting a lot of heat. But I've been talking about here, the people that aren't qualified like Dr. Fauci to make a prediction on fatalities and cases, they were completely wrong. They guessed wrong. They said a couple of hundred, less than a thousand. And again, we're at 90,000. And those loudmouths and those pot stirrers are still out there, not apologizing, saying, you know, damn it, I got it wrong. Man, you talked about Dr. Drew, who owned up early on, Tom. Right. More, more and more people haven't sat up, raised their hand, and said, I can't believe I'm not qualified to talk about science, death, viruses. I predicted this number. I'm off by 89,000, right. and I'm still doubling down. To it's me, it's one of the wildest topics I've ever covered in media. Well, another thing, too, when people take a look at that is that's what's great about uh, conspiracy theorists. When you're a conspiracy theory guy, you can just make everything up as you go along. If it doesn't fit in, it doesn't fit in. You just keep on going. When you're, You see it in boxing all the time. People will say, if my guy wins, it's because he's supposed to win. If your guy wins, it's fixed. So when you believe in conspiracies like that, everything's already written in stone. And if what you predicted doesn't happen, it's because of another particular conspiracy that went down. And so that's what's uh, that's just the, the convenience of the conspiracy theorists is they can just make up everything as they go along. One other thing I wanted to throw in here from the CDC, which popped up on my phone today, and I screenshot it as we go to broadcast. Uh, data was collected from one million. 164,000 people Mm -hmm. and the age was available uh, for 99.8% of the people. That's 1.161 million. And I believed, and I believe coming into this podcast that the majority of the people, the total cases were 75 years or older. No, the majority of the cases on this graph that looks like the old twin towers, two giant towers on this graph where every other graph is small of the age between 18 and 44 and 45 through 64. So as older people are dying from this in nursing homes, people are still getting ill. We know that young people are vibrant. They're fighting through this. We hope everybody does. But there's so much information coming at us, Tom. All of it is inaccurate. And I've noticed a lot of people now being more comfortable in their lifestyle, going outside, taking chances or not. And more people comfortable talking about how this is going to go away in the immediate future. And I hope that is the case, but I'm going to let the science do the talking. Oh yeah. And what I worry about, and I'm almost always the half glasses, half full guy, but when people are talking about vaccines by Christmas, it's almost like saying Santa Claus is going to be here on Christmas as well. You know, Uh, if you believe in Santa Claus, you, you can believe that a vaccine will be here by Christmas. Now I hope I'm wrong. Except we don't even have a flu vaccine. Okay, they've been try- working on that since 1918. We have a flu shot, and we t- we try to get the flu shot for people under 20 and people over 60 or anybody with any pre-existing conditions uh, of any age. But the uh, you can still going to get the flu. Not as bad if you get a flu shot, but the flu vaccine won't necessarily prevent you from getting the flu. Now the polio vaccine has seemed to eradicate polio over the years. Smallpox, the same thing. But the flu so far, we just have a shot with HIV and AIDS. Uh, Some great medicine so people will live with the chronic condition and die at 80 like they were supposed to, but still no vaccine at this point that they've been working on for 20 years. 
So when it comes to COVID-19, that would be great if they have a vaccine by Christmas, but they've been working since 1918 on one for the flu and since uh, 1986 on one for HIV and AIDS. So I think that uh, it'll be great if we can get some preventative medicine out there, also, which is probably what's going to happen when they're coming out of these uh, flu vaccine tests that they do. But I hope they find one soon. And I think it would be really smart, no matter whether you feel any symptoms or not, to get tested. I think one of the reasons why politicians don't want us to get tested is because of the sheer panic. When, when everyone gets tested, we realize the numbers are a lot higher uh, than they thought. But I, I always want to, I got a test. I always want to err on the side of the truth. So I at least know, I took a test last Thursday. So I at least know last Thursday I was fine. Came back negative. I got the email today. JT, you get the email if you're negative. You get a phone call if it's positive. So I was obviously checking my email over and over. And I finally got that email today. This is amazing how you just dropped that in. Like <laughs> someone dropping in hydroxychloroquine, just <laughs> dropping it in and everybody going, whoa, wait a second. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Excuse me, hand, my, I'm raising my hand. What'd you say? We're sitting here and I want to apologize to everybody because the we wanted to trick you to download this podcast with a title named Fauci because Looney, why? What's so important about one-word titles? Oh, because a lot of the greatest movies of all time, the most successful movies of all time, since the 80s especially, have had one name. One of the first mega successful movies that had one name, Big, with Tom Hanks back in the 80s. And actually, that started a succession of movies with just one name in the title because Big was so successful. And so that's why we named it Fauci. Titanic. Yes, exactly. Oh, on and on and on. Ever since Big, uh, a lot of times the studios have been looking for a one-name title. Wow. You know my favorite movie of all time? Number one. Number one on the JT list is a one-name title. Mine, too. What's yours? Platoon, right? Platoon. Platoon. Yeah, you like Had Platoon. the biggest impact that I've ever had on my life in a movie theater where people were walking out and people were almost protesting going in in mm -hmm. upstate New York in college. But Platoon, still to this day, my sons are getting to the age where they're watching a lot of movies. Dad, Godfather, what's better, Godfather 2? And uh, Raging Bull is in my top three. Oh my but my God. number one movie, my number one movie is Platoon. Mine's Bugsy. I can watch Bugsy over yes. and over again. You know, I, I didn't, uh, uh, Howard Hughes sat in the top of a, uh, whatever skyscraper he owned in Las Vegas for you, Stardust or something for years and years and years. And he watched the same movie, Ice Station Zebra, over and over again. He got high on his painkillers and peed in bottles and would only let Mormons touch his notes because Mormons didn't have germs in his mind. And, uh, and when he would watch Ice Station Zebra over and over again, if I ever get whatever that disease is where you just you get painkillers and you sit in a room and watch one movie over and over and over again, it would be Bugsy. Oh, my God. I think every scene is perfect. And it's about Las Vegas. Have you seen Bugsy? It's one of your favorite movies, one of my favorite. I wouldn't okay. have it as high up as you, but you love oh, it. It oh, had an instant connection on you. It's perfect. Yeah, I think it's a perfect movie. The lighting, the sets, the, the, the dialogue, the acting. It goes on and on. I just thought everything about it. I think every scene's the best scene of the movie. I bet no one... Warren Beatty was never better. Not that he's even that great of an actor, but when he finds the right role, he is. And he and Annette Bedding was just superb, and everybody was. It was perfectly cast. Everybody was perfect in their role. I probably oversold it for anybody who hasn't seen it, but God, I love that movie. So I wanted to have the name of the podcast Fauci because we're going to okay. wrap it up here and continue with the podcast to a trick people because we like to get our numbers up. And if everybody else is doing clickbait, can't we do clickbait? Everybody else is coming up with a fake LeBron debate. Why can't we have one right. and call it Fauci? So I, that's why we did this. But again, to wrap up this portion of it, I thought that Dr. Fauci deserves so much credit for everything he's done as a scientist his entire life. And what a difficult situation he's currently in, trying to do his best job every day. And I am disgusted by those who are politicizing this, even though that's the debate of the anti-Fauci people and the people who are bullying him, which we just watched The Last Dance, and Michael Jordan was oh a God, bully. He was a bully. And in 2020, 
from grade school to high school. You can't bully people the way you could have in the 80s and 90s or the 60s and 50s. Now bullying is a really big thing, rightfully so. And I believe that Dr. Fauci has been bullied by internet gutless Twitter trolls and people who have a voice that are trying to change everyone's perspective of this 79-year-old man who should be kayaking on the ocean every day, taking his grandkids to lunch, enjoying his fortune, the money he has, I'm assuming, and his great reputation. And every day he's in the fight of his life trying to help people. So I had to get that in. And that is one thing that has changed the world with the Internet. Uh, in kindergarten through 12th grade, we're really trying to concentrate on getting children to stop bullying. And throughout the United States of America, God bless the children. They've gotten better and better at that. And we've gotten better and better at guiding them not to do that. But now the trick is on the, the, on the rest of us. And that is the Internet came along. And the Internet is high school extended. So people can, these little assassins, just like people were in high school, can attack people on the internet and call them ugly and call them fat and tell them, you know, I, I had a sports, a colleague, a sports cast who was taught, who's gay and was talking about whether or not asking me whether or not my opinion on whether or not he should come out of the closet. I said, no, I said, because of the internet, all of a sudden you'll be in high school all over again and people will be smacking you on the back of the head. Who needs that? And the, the Internet has really turned uh, the dark side of the Internet is so awful. And the way that people will attack people for something usually only an 11th grader. Everyone's all of a sudden so many people have become 11th graders uh, on, on the Internet, on the World Wide Web. And so I, I, I feel bad that Anthony Fauci has to go through that because at school uh, he wasn't in the cafeteria. Uh, throwing spitballs. He was in the library. He's one of those good guys who was in the library and studying all his life and curing infectious diseases. And here he is now taking this shit at 79. Yeah. And he, we just, I personally believe it got to the point where it got to my breaking point. I've had listeners to my radio shows in this podcast scream that I'm the biggest liberal they know. And other people, after a tweet of mine, would say I'm the biggest right-wing conservative they know. People are so divided over science, health, life, and death that it's so erratic on social media that I'm, I'm suggesting it's going to stay that way for a long time to come because more and more people are comfortable, even with something so serious, a monumental moment in American history, that they feel like they have the freedom to just go after this man and the scientists and the doctors. Fortunately, the frontline heroes, the nurses and the doctors are getting so much positive praise, oh, I know. which is fantastic. But again, I, I talked to a lot of people, a uh, couple of people, a couple of friends of mine have had coronavirus and they've come through it. A buddy of mine's wife had oh, it really wow. bad. She came through it. And, you know, I'm concerned my parents who are vibrant for their age, uh, they don't have it. And I pray every night that they don't, and they stay healthy. And then my kids, you know, my son's uh, going to be 19, along with my dad's birthday. My dad and my son are born on the same day. My dad will be 82. My son will be 19. So that connects my whole family. What day is that? That's May 24th. Oh, wow. And terrific. if you look at all this, there's so much emotion going on right now. So in my real world, as I talk sports a couple of hours a day, if not more now, we're trying to get off the NFL and all the great success that the draft had, free agency, the schedule release, which you know I love. And now we right. move on to now we move on to when a sport's gonna come back. And as we record this podcast, it's been a great couple of days of enthusiasm because you want another conspiracy theory. We woke up and Andrew Cuomo and Gavin Newsom, who have been very strict throughout this and have also made mistakes and did some wonderful things. They started talking about sports and saying, yeah, if we do this right in the next couple of weeks, sports can come back in California and New York. And if that happens, two of our biggest vibrant States, Tom, then it'll come back everywhere. So I'm very encouraged by that news. Hey, it's uh you're looking forward to watching Tiger Woods on television. Tiger Woods and Phil and Tom Brady. And who else is it? 
Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, Tom Brady, and Peyton, Peyton Manning. I was excited when I saw that. We haven't even had much to get excited about on television. And I know you can talk talk golf all night. <laughs> Are you excited about that next Sunday? I am because I oh this yeah. is a great segue, and, and okay, I, I know it is because I've just played golf three rounds in a row, and I Ooh, played decent. Okay. Yeah, you know, I like to golf. I'm a weekend warrior. Oh, that's good, because remember, when you had the best round of your life a couple of days ago, I then predicted everything would go south for you, because yeah. that's golf. But it well, didn't. Good. Why this is such a big step for me in the podcast is I was that Karen. People were calling me Karen, because I was taking pictures <laughs> of people in the park. Karen! Karen! Why did you do that? I would walk on the other <laughs> side of the park. Remember, I, remember, I was taking yes, pictures. Yes, you were a uh, I called monitor, them. Yeah. I called them the yoga mom, the yoga moms with pants. Yeah. So I was walking around the park, and I was outraged for six weeks or three of the first six weeks. Look at that! And I would snap a picture behind a tree, and then I'd walk and I'd get to the <laughs> tennis courts, and before they took the rims down, and I'd snap a picture. Now, after six, seven weeks, I guess the weather got warm. Everybody's starting to go out. So I decided to play golf three days in a row. And it was the first time I did anything other than work going in and out of the studio every day, which I've been lucky to do and do anything. And it went perfectly. I had fun. I social oh, of course distanced. You, did. you were doing something. <laughs> yeah. And it opened up, it opened up my mind to like, they could have had these golf courses open four weeks ago, five weeks ago, mm-hmm. but it was smart not to do it because I really believed that the more and more people saw golf courses shut down and more and more people understood, why would you do that? More and more people got nervous and scared of the virus and they didn't want to go golf for a little bit of time. Now that the golf courses are open after having six or seven weeks of constant media pounding on COVID-19, people are going to golf courses and they're not being assholes. And there are some assholes at a golf course. People who play slow, people right. who talk too much, people who just get in your face. And after playing a couple of rounds with friends who all understood, don't all stand on the tee box at once. Let's all not walk up to each other's putts. You're not allowed to touch the flag. You can't bring a rake into the bunker. Everybody just hit balls around, had fun. No one was stressed out with their all-time great score. And it was great. I can't wait to do it again. Yeah, I, I do find an era of kindness happening with all this. Um, when I see other people hiking and running, I've been out hiking and running. Everyone turned into Daniel Boone. I always was, of course. And uh, but when people are giving each other their social space, whether it's walking down the sidewalk or hiking on trails, or there's also a bike path along the Royal Seiko River where I run. And I, and I'll, I stopped and talked to someone with a German Shepherd today because I used to have Snoop Buddy Dog, my German Shepherd, for years. And he, the guy and I talked like we were old friends. I think it's just because we got to get out of the house. It's so great to talk to people. Kevin at 7-Eleven. Uh, I talked to him like, uh, like he's a long-lost friend <laughs> because I, I was happy to be out of the house and doing, and doing a couple of errands. And so I think it has made us uh, kinder and we're, I think people are trying to, and nobody wants to get sick or make it someone else sick. And so people are, are seem to me to be really, you know, I, I'm, I'm really, I get disappointed in myself when I leave the house without a mask. People are, are, are really giving white guys a hard time because it seems to be the white guys that are forgetting to leave the house with the mask. And I'm one of them. So I'm conscientious about that, but still forgetting to leave the house with a mask now and then. And I'm I'm really uh, impressed with how many people are remembering. Looks to me like 90%, right, are, are remembering to leave their house with a mask. And so that's a good thing. And that's how, you know, this is one of those things where we're going to all pitch in and we're going to save hundreds and thousands or 100,000 or a million lives by the way we've been behaving. But we'll just never be able to prove it because it's going to be thankless because we're going to do it. We're going to hope, gosh, I hope crashing the economy was worth it. And of course, with the number of lives we probably saved, it was worth it. We're just going to never know how many lives we saved by staying home. What's your Twitter address? Oh, Twitter.com at Looney on Fox. I never changed the Looney on Fox, even though I don't work at Fox because I don't want to lose my blue check mark. <laughs> 
God, you sell out, but in a good way. <laughs> but you got a little it's, bit. It's, you just got like a little... said, it's, it's just like the Internet's high school. I don't want to lose my blue check mark. Is that the most high school remark you've ever heard? Yeah, but you got uh, a little bit political there. And I wanted people to know how to get you because oh, what you uh, just uh, said, here's my point about Fauci. What you just okay. said could be taken out of context. Someone could splice up this podcast oh. and hear you say crashing the economy oh, and okay. all these other things. And people will say, oh, my God. Looney meant, what did he mean? And that's what's happening now is you can't even have a sentence in a podcast or a tweet or a long form radio show like we both do where everybody isn't judging how you feel about COVID-19 or your empathy or days where you're really excited. Like I've been excited this week because of the positive sports news, Dana White in the UFC, NASCAR came back. We had charity golf. We got more NASCAR that's some good news, possibly with the NBA opening up practice facilities and the NFL doing the same. But if you talk about anything that does, has to deal with the economy, health and wellness, or like in Vegas, opening up the strip, everybody thinks you have an agenda. Oh, people true. think you it have a true. political agenda. And people think you know, it's really funny. I was at the there's a, there was a taco place that's since closed called Let's Talk About It. Uh, not far from the house. And oh, that's a terrible name for a store. Isn't it? Well, yeah, that's why it's probably closed. And uh, the woman working there, somehow it came up at what I did. And at Fox, this is back when I was working at Fox. And she said, uh, she said, my boyfriend tells me that people work who work at Fox are involved with the Illuminati. <laughs> and I said, and so I started, said, so I said, but I'm working at Fox Sports. Do you really think there's, there's, there's a boogeyman? And I put my hands up. Ooh. A boogeyman telling me what to say about sports, and she said, "Oh, shut up!" You know, because I was doing a big boogeyman thing. But people believe these things because it's in the abstract, and they think that uh, the people who work in the media, there's always an agenda, and we get talking points from the Illuminati or the liberal media or whomever, and uh, we get them emailed to us. They used to come in a fax, and we used to get to, before that we used to get together at norms with the Illuminati and come up with our liberal opinions on how to spin things. But no, we're just independent guys with microphones talking, and but see, still people get paranoid and think there's some kind of agenda every once in a while, and just what we sometimes term as a a throwout line sometimes, right? Have you ever just had a throwout line that you didn't even remember that what you said that becomes controversial? Yeah, it's happened to both of us all the time. When we get to the media and what we're consuming uh, during COVID-19, just for these last two months, mm -hmm. as we have now over 90,000, oh. 90,000 fatalities, I'm in a rhythm. I get up in the morning. I try to mm -hmm. consume sports because I got to put topics together. Right. Got to get going. But I watch the world news at night, ABC. I switch over to Fox and CNN, because I'm not a guy that screams at Fox and mm -hmm. screams louder at CNN. Who's ever on that I like out of the two I'll watch a little bit of. Mm -hmm. I'll watch Nightline. And then you know, I form an opinion because I read. And what I read during the day, if I'm reading something in the Journal or the Times or the New York Post, we got a great newspaper in Vegas, the Las Vegas Review Journal. I love the sports. newspaper, yeah. Yeah. As, you know, reading the newspaper. And then I go to bed and I have an opinion. And then the next day, I just hope that that day's better than the day before. But I'll tell you, living in Vegas is wild because what's happening in Vegas, I've told everyone, don't look at us here any differently. Please, our numbers are down significantly. We don't have a lot of cases in Nevada and Southern Nevada where Vegas is now, yet. Well, and here's what I'm, I, 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 here's a question I have for you about that. I was surprised because Vegas, like New York and L.A., is an international city where people fly in with their germs and viruses from all over the world on jets from Tokyo and come into Vegas with a suitcase full of $250,000 in, in bills with germs on them. I'm really happy for Vegas that it didn't seem to invade your city the way one would think it did. Is that because they shut it down? You know, it's only because they shut the strip down yep. and they shut off international travel. So I had a yep. cup of coffee with a buddy of mine who's really high up when it comes to the strip and business and especially the airport. Oh, I know. And, and what's going to happen down the road is if you don't open up the airport internationally, we have a huge international airport. Well, if you close travel from people 
around the world coming into Vegas. Of course, we're not going to have the spike numbers, but what we have in Vegas is we have the strip. I live in the suburbs. I'm hosting this from my wife's walk-in closet in (laughs) Summerlin, Nevada. And I live in the suburbs. But if you go down to the strip, there are people on top of people on top of people. And the fact that it never opened, it was shut right when this started, probably helped out. But the amount of people now, all the casino jobs that have been lost and are not coming back, some will, but not all of them, all of the unemployment and then all the businesses that are tied to gaming and entertainment, you start looking at all those people are changing their opinions politically. Those who are with the governor, Governor Sisolak, in the beginning because of the right move to get ahead of the numbers, uh-huh. now they're changing their opinion because they lost their job and they want to get back to work. And that's what happens. And sometimes it's not it's fair or, or sometimes it's not when it comes to politicians. From the president on down, they get the credit. They, they're free to take the credit. That's the rules. They can take the credit for a good economy. And when the economy turns south, they get the blame. Is it fair? Not always, but that's the way it works. And uh, that's the tough business that they chose to be in in politics. Mm-hmm. And there are, you know, the quarantine state of mind is probably going to rain for weeks, if not months. If they do have NFL games and they do up, open up the stadiums, will people go? And will they want to expose themselves? I'm sure it's going to be a whole different setup in our stadiums if they allow fans in. Other things that are going to change, JT, the mask is going to be a wardrobe staple. You know the Kardashians are going to have their own masks, and Bieber will mm-hmm. have his own mask. And, and didn't you say you have a New York Yankees mask? But so will Tommy Hilfiger and everything else, and it's probably going to be permanently uh, part of our culture. And you know what else is going to happen? Probably not good for Vegas. People, um, we've become a nation of savers. I don't know what percentage of my income over the years, radio and TV income and voiceover income went to restaurants. But as you know, it's, it's, it's embarrassingly high. Uh, I've saved money because I haven't been able to go anywhere and spend it anywhere. And I think people who spend X amount on gambling, let's say you're in Vegas, it's even, even $50 a day or $50 a week, all of a sudden have all that extra money. And I think that's probably going to be a positive thing that'll come out in terms of people's Banks, bank accounts. But those are some of the things that are really going to uh, change. And voting, by the way, is going to become easier because people are just going to do it with mail. Turnout's probably going to go up. And the Republicans and the Democrats, neither one can decide who that's good for. So they've never made it easier for us. But it's going to get easier for us because we have to avoid the virus. So those are some of the things that are really going to change. Uh, and uh, probably permanently, it'll be fascinating to watch. You didn't talk about my Uber vice because when when my dad does my taxes next year, not this year, this year he'll shake his head again, rightfully so. When he comes to me, what's with these couple of thousand dollars on Ubers? And that ties into sporting events, concerts, all, all around having cocktails and drinking, right? And having a good time and having expensive dinners. So if you just look at the Uber price, coming off like being wiped out from my credit card they were all tied to sporting events concerts dinners out on the strip or out on the town and multiple bar tabs that have disappeared in the last two months so as i bring up uber just think of the after effect of all the other businesses which aren't many but the ones that i support monthly i hope those businesses come roaring back so I could start going to them again and spend some of the money. But but it's one thing you didn't, one thing I want to not correct you on, but bring up, mm-hmm. you're talking about people having excess money or having more money or money that they can spend again. I don't think that's accurate. I think enough people have lost their jobs. There's enough unemployment where I see too in oh, Vegas that people are not, people are not now adding money to what they have. They're spending the money oh, that they yeah. were saving, and it's going to be tough. Absolutely, and you're right about that. But also, people who have gone on unemployment, in some in some cases, because there's an extra six hundred, some of them got a raise because they're on unemployment, but they can't. They don't have anything to spend it on because they're staying at home and being good citizens. Are realizing, oh, maybe I don't miss this or that as much as I thought I did. But one thing we're missing is people. Another thing that's going to change is probably going to say goodbye for at least a, lo- a while. And it's going to be tough at weddings and funerals, especially, but especially when we, uh, you know, we start living our third lives again and going to gyms and sporting events and restaurants and see the people we've missed handshakes, hugs and kisses. 
uh, what's going to happen I mean, when, we come, when it comes to rubbing elbows? Is that what we're going to be doing? We're all just going to be rubbing elbows and touching elbows. Is that what you did at the golf course? Elbow touch? Well, yeah, we didn't do any of that. We did okay. the wow. we did the namaste, you know, where we we just come over with the pray, the hand pray, and oh, okay. Every, I'm happy you asked that. It's so important. I'm really thrilled you asked that. When you see friends now at a golf course or you see them in the neighborhood, you don't have to handshake. You don't have to high five mm-hmm. right now. I think we will. I think we will when we come out of this. But you just wave. Hey man, how are you? I'm doing great. And then you move on. And it's You've not that big of a deal. Any elbow bumps? I've been elbow I've done a few. Yeah, yeah, elbow bumps are fine. Yeah, but, I mean, all, elbow bump also says we're all in this together, which is kind of cool. No, no, it doesn't. Do you <laughs> go, well, what about the toe tap when you take your cleat <laughs> and get the other guy's cleat? Does that mean we're all in it together too? I don't know. I don't know yeah. about that, but that's. A, I just kind of felt like a couple of times people went out for a handshake over the course of the last couple of months, and I've given them uh, the elbow just to say, hey, we're uh, we're all trying to be healthy here. But I, I, but I'm probably gonna miss, you know, I'm gonna miss some of that, and 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 we know another thing we're that we're uh, probably going to observe here, embarrassingly for American culture, is nobody got shot at any school in March, and nobody got shot at any school in April, and it was the first time since 2004 or something like that that we've gone a couple of months in a row. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's it's gonna we're gonna reassess we have to reassess our values when it comes to that. And there's going to be a, probably a lot more people. You know, there's going to be a birth of lots of different businesses, and one of them will be online schools. Who's got the best online Zoom school? And I'm sure that's something that's probably going to be a wave of the future. Can we go rapid fire? Because I'm still guilty because I tricked everybody into Fauci. Yeah, sure. So let's sure. wrap it up to rapid fire. Uh, that was my first one. I've become an expert in online education. Okay. I have a freshman in college who just finished and did great. So proud of my oldest son. Worked his ass off from the University of Oklahoma. Finished his studies. Got really good grades. Had to do it from home in the bedroom right next to mine, which has got to suck knowing that your dad (laughs) is in the room next to you. So I want to commend him for that. And then my uh, 16-year-old, my whippersnapper, wink, wink, he just finished 11th grade. And he doesn't listen to this podcast, but I can tell you, I was a lunatic in 11th grade with my friends. I was a pain in the ass to my sisters, a pain in the ass to my mom and dad. I regret some of the things. I wasn't getting taken away in handcuffs. Yeah, when I hear the number 16, I always roll my eyes. At at 16, I was pushing the envelope as far as I could for attention and everything else. And my 16-year-old under house quarantine did a great job. Not finishing his finals, finishing his projects. As the okay. teacher said, hey, we know you 16-year-olds are all going to cheat. You're all 16. You all have phones and you have great apps. So instead of doing it this way, we'll just have you finish off with some projects. Get it done. And he had a, the, the biggest thing I learned is my 16-year-old's clock now. He can do an all-nighter several times a week. I mean, stay up all night. And then he's good at sleeping for 13 or 14 hours in a row. Oh, yeah, he was the in one. In a row. Always, since, since whatever growth hormone hit his body, I remember you said when you get you and your wife had to both go into his room to wake him out of his dead sleep at like 7 or 8 in the morning. Remember when you used to talk? Yeah, you talked about incredible. that on the air, about how he could, how he goes into, he would have slept till noon if you didn't wake him up and take him to school at 8 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, you know how like school could start at 8.05 and you wake up in a sweat at 7.55? Oh, my God, I overslept. Right. That would happen to him at 3 in the afternoon. He'd wake <laughs> up at 3 in the afternoon and go, oh, my God. Uh, but, again, uh, a couple other quick rapid fires. What was the last great thing you've watched oh, on television? Oh, 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 well, as I finished Breaking Bad and really went through a a phase of not knowing what to watch because nothing seemed any good. Better call Saul. I got recommendations from friends and family members to watch Better Call Saul. I'm a lawyer. Even drug dealers need lawyers, right? Mm. Bob Odenkirk, who plays the uh, the lawyer on, on Breaking Bad, they had a prequel to Breaking Bad, which they made after Breaking Bad, called Better Call Saul. It's the uh, trials and tribulations of James McGill, who is the uh, the attorney played by Bob Obenkirk, who's always slippery. Slippery Jim is what his big brother, who was a 
a, a professional lawyer, a very, uh, a very elegant professional lawyer, embarrassed by his wacky, slippery younger brother. And it's the prequel to Breaking Bad, and I'm addicted to that. Wow, now. that good, excellent huh? series. Yes, excellent. But you do have to watch Better Call Saul after Breaking Bad, uh, mm. and it's uh, and, and to enjoy it to its uh, to its uh, to really enjoy it. I watched Jerry Seinfeld, 23 Hours to Kill. Oh, oh, I watched that too. I loved it. What'd you think? I liked it. I, I yes. you know, I'm a Seinfeld guy. I didn't love it. It wasn't a Mount Rushmore. First half was better than special. the second half. Yeah, but it was good. He pumped it out. To Wouldn't quote be- Jerry, first half was great. Second half sucked. Because <laughs> he was doing this great. He opened up with the fine line between what's great and what sucks, not only in life, but everything. And it was, it was, it was just very vintage, G-rated, brilliant Jerry Seinfeld, especially the first half. If Netflix was dishing out boatloads, not bucket loads, boatloads of money to every comedian, wouldn't you turn around these comedy specials every two months? What, is, yeah. what the hell is going on with Netflix that they went to the legends, they went to the small guys, they've gone to everyone and basically said, if you give us some comedy will give you 50 million, 60 million, 25 million for a bunch of these Dave Chappelle, Seinfeld, go down the list. And these guys are pumping out content and they're pumping it into COVID-19 where a lot of people are downloading these specials. And, and really when Seinfeld put was all in though, he, in the beginning yeah. of it, he, he really did that stunt. He jumped out of a helicopter into the Hudson river to open up. His, uh, when, when he had big band music and he hired that big band at wherever he was at that club in New York, it was terrific. And he, I mean, so he didn't, he doesn't mail anything in. And it was interesting about how he, he was joking about how, you know, people have a pretty good idea of how much money he has and how he could really be anywhere in the world, but he chose to be there. And he was, he just, his delivery was so, and he was talking about most of our lives suck. Mine a little less than yours. <laughs> You know, very self-effacing yes. and a lot of fun. God, it was good. And one more thing that I watched that everybody okay. needs to know about. I watched Jose Canseco's documentary. Oh. It popped up in front of me. It, it, what's it, it on? What's the it's on? It's on Netflix, and I saw okay. it also on uh, Prime. And I couldn't believe it because I know the story. I read the book Juice. I've interviewed him mm-hmm. a number of times in the past. And I just watched Truth Hurts. And it was interesting. He was very calm, very cool. It was from a couple of years ago, talking about all the hits that he took from throwing McGuire and all them under the bus by telling the truth mm-hmm. and how much he loved the game and the the commitment that he made to his mom. His mom died. She had an aneurysm, and he didn't get a chance. He got to her bedside, and she was already brain dead. Mm-hmm. And he was by her bedside, and he basically said, I'm going to become the greatest baseball player. He was this close. You can't see my fingers this mm-hmm. close to quitting because he wasn't very good. This was before steroids. Wow. Wow. He wasn't very good. And he decided that he would be the best. He said, whatever it takes. He went down the steroid road. He knew exactly what he was doing. He understood that it was all about the workouts and the training on top of the steroids. It wasn't a pill or an injection that made him play well. He worked his ass off. And oh, then all yeah. the and in the moments in front of Congress where he was made to look like a fool, like a court jester, because Major League Baseball were telling guys like Palmero and others that they'd have his back, allegedly, if they went against Canseco. And Canseco got up from the Rayburn building and his life was completely different. I would recommend it if you're a baseball fan, Jose Canseco, The Truth Hurts. Well, he's, oh, he's got he's a larger-than-life character. I uh, He and I used to go to the same tanning salon on Ventura Boulevard <laughs> uh, near the radio station back in the day. And I, I'm in there one day, and I'm thinking, who's this guy in the tanning booth next to me, behind closed doors, talking loud? On the, you, can hear him in the whole, you can hear him in the whole salon. Some guy talking loud on the phone, and then we finished at the same time, and it was him. But he was just not only was he a large, physically imposing person, but his personality just lit up a room. He's real. And people who know him in person, our friend Chris Myers, really, uh, people who know him personally really like him. He's not a brain surgeon, but he's not a bad guy. Okay. So, again, I want to apologize to everyone for tricking them into Fauci. 
the podcast. That's that's what we did, and we did it for a number of reasons. I want to apologize to everybody again for recommending a Jose Canseco documentary. It makes me look very shallow. Like I have nothing else to watch that matters, but I miss you. This has been the longest, clearly the longest I've gone without seeing you. I know, I know. It's amazing. But yeah, but Bat, being the frat president that you are and the guy who brings people together. I talk to you all the time, every two or three days at least, and uh, and it's and it's just terrific. You're you're amazing with that phone. If people haven't read your book, they should. You've always been addicted to the phone. It became part of your life when you talk show host, and and the handoff. Buy it at Amazon if they want to know more about you and how. It's amazing to me how you have a schedule. Do you have the schedule in your head? Do you have it written on a daily planner at different times that you call? Bobby G and, and and all your friends over the Jimmy B over the course of the day and me and, and Dave, you do you, is it a specific time? Is it in your head? Is it written down? How does that work for you? Or John Butler who produces this podcast for yes. us. What, what yes. We do. No, I just, I get the urge, which is kind of a weakness. Whenever I get the urge in life, I pick up the phone. Mm-hmm. I should call some people more, but you know, I like to keep in touch with my friends. I think, Throughout this time of COVID-19, I've been picking it up a little bit more for certain yeah, me too. people me too. That, I think, that I think need to hear my voice or another person's me voice too. for a number of reasons. Yep. But we're all going to get through this. Oh, uh, you know what it does? This, this, this reminds us not to put things off because for yeah. the last two months, how many people did we – did we reschedule a lunch with or somebody we really wanted to get together with for a lunch, for a dinner, for a beer – and now it's been nine weeks where we haven't been able to do that at all with anybody. And it reminds you to do things now and not later. And that's including picking up the phone, which you will. And how about your dad, though? Before we finish up uh, episode 35, do you have a time of day where you call your dad or is it just spontaneous? I talk to my mom and dad several times a week like my sisters do. That's right. one thing. I'm blessed to have my yeah. parents, my in-laws. Uh, that we get a chance to talk to with my wife. So that's a good thing. And, you know, the last thing I wanted to say, Tom, on this podcast is that last couple of weeks have been pretty emotional for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. A lot of people that download our podcast or our friends or people we try to connect with on social media. Everybody hang in there. I'm very encouraged about what's happening. And, Tom, don't throw me in Twitter jail if I'm spotted having a corona on the beach or on a golf course, or in my backyard in the coming weeks, because I'm hoping that we're going to have better times ahead. I don't know where we are because I'm not a scientist, but I just feel really good that a lot of people are doing the right thing, and we're going to get to the other side of this. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.